You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. What is up, everybody? Uh, Welcome in to the Late Night Gamecocks show. As always, my name is Matt Anderson, and I am the host of this show, and I'm your source for all things Gamecocks After Dark. Well, happy to have you guys in. I know it's 9 o'clock um, on Monday night. Always appreciate everybody that, that pops in. We have a lot of fun on this particular show. Um, you know, if, you, if you're starting the show right now and you, and you can't finish it, um, you can always find this on wherever you find podcasts associated with the Chief Sports Network. The best place to go is the Chief Sports Network app. Um, you can find all the shows that are part of our network there. But it's also available on Spotify, um, gosh, Apple, where, wherever you find a podcast. You can always rewatch it here on YouTube. So um, for those of you who don't know, we do this show every Monday night at 9 p.m. And then on Thursdays, um, I record another show, um, usually after hours, usually nighttime. And that's usually released on Fridays. So I, w- I want to thank my, my fantastic producer, Phil. Um, Phil is the man behind the microphone that, that makes this, this show go. And the same person that puts this out on um, Spotify and Apple and iTunes, wherever, wherever you get the show. So always, always thankful to Phil. Uh, I'll give you guys a little inside info on what, what happened to start this show. Um, so I told you guys that I was looking for a green screen for Christmas. And um, I have to do some more tweaks on it. But um, I look like, I don't know, maybe Clark Griswold trying to figure out how to get the lights working when I was trying to do this green screen tonight. So, so no green screen tonight. I'm still working, working on that. And, and hopefully soon I have a bunch of Gamecock prints that'll, that'll be behind me on, on this wall. So uh, bear with me as I move, but I'm so excited to have all of you here tonight. So excited to talk uh, Gamecock football, Gamecock basketball, golly, baseball's right around the corner. I think I heard JV say today it's 32 days away. So it won't be long until we have um, the Yardcocks back on the diamond and and Gamecocks have a good team this year. I've been listening to Whittle, talking to him, talking to folks associated with everything on the on the baseball side of things and the softball side. And I think both teams are going to be pretty, pretty good this year. Uh, obviously, the big news is that <laughs> I don't know what South Carolina scout guy means. Call the police. There's been a murder on the CLA tonight. Uh, maybe the murder will happen tomorrow. Maybe the Gamecocks will find a way to um, upset, or no, it's not really an upset, um, just hold serve against the Georgia Bulldogs tomorrow night. Um, 98-36. Oh, gosh. Oh, you're talking about the Lady Gamecocks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the Gamecock, Lady Gamecocks are absolutely trouncing whoever they're playing right now. And I've been at a, a, a birthday party for a family member up until right now, so I have not been able to see that score. Um, so real quick, I'm going to look at some of these comments here. Um, Phil, <laughs> Phil, I love Phil. Um, Phil said the Lady Gamecocks are, are destroying Kentucky right now. So got to love to see that. Anytime you can beat the Wildcats and anything in the SEC, that is fantastic. Um, I'm looking at the chat box right here. We'll start out with a quick question. Um, Craig, um, longtime listener, longtime um, person that hangs out here with us. He said, Matt, I asked to stay on the show, but no answer. I know you're a basketball guy, but do you know why the FSU transfer shortstop is still going through the eligibility issues? Yeah, um, I don't know if you asked Whittle when he was on the show today, but my understanding is that there's something that has to do with the timing and timing of his transfer. 
Um, I don't know if it's like a fall transfer thing where you needed to be in, in school and en enrolled in a school in the fall semester before the spring. I know they're trying to work through that. And right now with the way that the NCAA transfer transfer portal is going and the way they make rulings, I have no idea what's going to happen on that. So um, Craig, I'm sorry. I don't have a better answer. I'll, I'll, I'll try and ask around and see if I can figure out anything. And if you're a member of the big spur, you know, John Whittle, um, would be happy to answer that question for you there. I always recommend that you guys hop on the Big Spur if you're not on, on there already. But I, it's it's tough now too because you know the transfer transfer portal and all that happens. But then there's like the the paperwork on if a guy is eligible, when they're eligible, and when it comes across the NCAA um, paperwork desk. So I, I think that the Gamecocks would like to see him eligible. I think the Gamecocks feel pretty good about their. Um, their defense this year and, and obviously their offense. I think the biggest question marks the Gamecock baseball team has right now is in the pitching staff, um, finding, you know, a top line starter on Friday nights, um, Saturday and Sunday doesn't get any easier in the sec. And then also, you know, finding a closer, but they got plenty of time to work on that. And as we've seen in the past, you know, sometimes a uh, Matt price just comes out of nowhere and can handle, you know, starter or bullpen work. Um, Alex, let's see. Alex says, I was also suffering at a time um, and knows how hard it is to pay bills. I'll be giving five grand each to assist the first 10 people to hit me up with God did love y'all. All right, Alex. Um, you know, I, you know, if you want to give that five grand to your church, I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know if this is the best place for it. Um, maybe we're getting some bots coming in from YouTube and stuff like that. So um, be, be weary of that. It looks like it's coming from Facebook. Um, but yeah, the Gamecocks had a really big win um, Saturday against Missouri. And, you know, even though it looked like the Gamecocks scraped and clawed their way to victory, it looked like at different times of the game, the Gamecocks were probably going to lose that game. Uh, one of the things that I love is just breaking down a game in 10 minute segments. You, know, you never know when that like, a, you know, the 16, 12, 8 and 4 minute mark um, TV timeout is going to come. But if you look at this right now, like I'm just looking at um, South Carolina outscored Missouri 17-15 in the first 10 minutes of the game. Um, Missouri outscored Carolina 18-15 in the second 10 minutes. And then Missouri outscored the Gamecocks by two, 17-15 in the like third you know, quarter of a game, if you will. And in the fourth quarter, the Gamecocks outscored them 15-12. And then an overtime 9-7 for the Gamecocks to get a 71-69 victory. And I, I posted about this on the Big Spur, and you know my immediate reaction to the Gamecocks win was, you know, that's a seed line bump, essentially from where the Gamecocks stood. Especially if you look at Joe Lenardi's bracket, Joe Lenardi had the Gamecocks, I believe, as you know one of the last teams in, and I, I can't remember if they had a buy or not. I, I look at all these bracketology, but at the end of the day, I like to try and do my own and. I like to get halfway through the conference schedule before I start making my own bracketology. But I've seen the Gamecocks anywhere from an eight seed to an 11 seed to the last four in, you know, first four buys, you know, that kind of deal in the NCAA tournament. But when you go on the road and you get a quad two win in the SEC, it's it's big on, on numerous counts. It's big because one, you got to win. Two, you got a road win, which helps with the net and helps with your strength of schedule and all of that. And then it also helps that you got an SEC win. And right now the Gamecocks are 2-1 and one in SEC play. Um, the Gamecocks found a way to, to win that game without Michi having his best game. I mean, Michi played 28 minutes and scored five points. 
I, I would be surprised if Michi Johnson goes another 28 minutes of gameplay and scores five points. And Lamont Paris pulled Michi out of the game towards the end and, and let the guys that were contributing and, and finding ways to score finish it. And, you know, we saw him do that with Gigi Jackson last year, and we weren't sure if that was something where it was sending a message to Gigi, um, sending a message to the team. But one thing that, you know, I think is clearly, you know, on the table right now for Lamont Paris is he's going to find a way to win every game that he can, even if it means benching his best player. And, you know, all due respect to Talon Cooper, to BJ Mack, uh, to Colin Murray Boyles, all these guys that have, you know, done big things for South Carolina. But you're going to be right, Zachary Davis. But Michi Johnson has been, you know, the scoring thump for the Gamecocks so far this year. And for them to find a way to, to get that victory is huge. Um, I haven't been bashful at all with some criticism for BJ Mack. And if BJ Mack can do what he did against Missouri, you know, I'm not saying that BJ has to go out. Let me look at it. He was, um, you know, he was just six of 13 from the field and six of six from the free throw line, one of five from three, had 21 points and four rebounds and two assists, two turnovers. Um, if we can get that from BJ, every, you know, 75% of that, that's what the Gamecocks need because in most nights, you're not going to need BJ Mack to carry the load. I think Michi Johnson can do a great job of that. Uh, Talon Cooper continues to be the, the straw that stirs the Gamecocks drink. I'm, I'm so impressed with him. I, I saw a lot of stuff on the Big Spur today talking about, you know, is Talon Cooper an NBA prospect? And I don't know if he's an NBA prospect. I'll just be you know, point blank and honest. I don't think that he is. But one of the things that people were saying and different posters were questioning was his athleticism. And make no mistake about it. If, you know, if you look at Talon and you think like, wow, that guy ain't athletic, he might not have the lateral quickness and like the, you know, the flashy driving and dunking, you know, acceleration that you see out of some different players around the country. But I've watched Talon personally. I've watched him throw down self alley-oop reverse windmills. Like the guy's got balance. The guy can get up, but he plays methodically on purpose. Um, he's not, his role on the team is not to be the, the slasher and the driver. And in college basketball right now, the most important position on any team is a point guard. And the fact that Talon Cooper played, played 40 minutes against Missouri, had two turnovers and one personal foul. I just can't tell you how much I'm in, how, 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 how much I'm impressed by Talon Cooper. That guy is fantastic. And I'm so happy the Gamecocks have him on their team. Uh, you look at this right now and you see that the Gamecocks had um, seven players that played over 20 minutes in the game. And then you have Josh Gray, Stephen Clark, and Benjamin Bozeman's Verdonk, who all had less than 10 minutes. I think you're kind of seeing the rotation that Lamont Paris wants going forward. And that rotation is Talon, Miles Studi, Michi Johnson, BJ Mack, Colin Murray Boyles, Jacoby Wright, and Zachary Davis. Uh, Zachary Davis against Missouri had some, some big-time winning plays. And what I mean by that is he scored two points, but he had seven rebounds, only one turnover, and two fouls. He kept balls alive, and that's one of the things that, that the Gamecocks have been surviving on so far this season. When you look at the three-point line, the Gamecocks, again, shot less than 30% from three, 17 or 7 of 24 from the three-point line. They made up for it at the at the free-throw stripe. They were going 16 for 18. The Gamecocks have, the Gamecocks have to continue to play with a chip on their shoulder. Um, looking at the Georgia game, we'll talk about that um, a little bit later. 
but the Gamecocks have a great opportunity at home tomorrow night. You know, right now, 24 hours from right now, the Gamecocks will be will be playing Georgia with an opportunity to get to three and one in the SEC. I'm going to look at it really quickly, but I believe that this game, I think Georgia's performed well enough. Let's see. So this game against Georgia tomorrow will still be a quad three game, but at the same time, you know, Georgia has overachieved this season. Um, so Gamecocks really can't, I said, I shouldn't say they can't, they would like to not drop a quad three game at home. Um, right now the Gamecocks are, you know, tracking very well for the NCAA tournament, just based on their resume. Uh, right now the Gamecocks are Owen, Owen two in what they call Q one a games, which is basically just the top half of a quadrant one, but the Gamecocks are two and one in Q one games, three and zero in quad two, four and two in quad one and quad two combined and a perfect 10 and zero in quad three and quad four. So the Gamecocks just need to continue to win the games they can, especially at home, you know, continue like racking up these, you know, quad two wins, quad one opportunities, and just not, not, not torpedo themselves. I mean, looking at it right now, the Gamecocks have one, two, three, four. They only have four quad three and quad four games left. So Gamecocks just kind of, kind of got a hold serve there. Um, looking at the questions here, what we got, um, so Craig says tomorrow, um, tomorrow is not a must win. And I know Georgia's improved, but they really need to get that one and get to three and one in conference. Absolutely. Craig, I hundred percent agree. You get to three and one in conference. You're really looking for, you know, six to seven, six to seven more wins in an SEC tournament or SEC regular season play before the tournament begins. Um, you got, when you get these opportunities, like you got to cash in on them because it's like, it's just not going to be easy when you look at going to, you know, even Arkansas, that's going to be a tough place to play at Tennessee. You got to go back to, you got to play Georgia on the road after playing them at home. So that game is going to be harder than the first game. You go to Auburn, go to Ole Miss. We'll see what Ole Miss really is. I'm not sure. Got to go to Texas A&M. They just beat Kentucky. And then you got to play Mississippi State the last game of the year at Mississippi State where the Gamecocks found a way to, to beat the Bulldogs just a few weeks ago. Um, but the Gamecocks have every opportunity in the world to get there. The Gamecocks have a, a 15 strength of record. That's pretty daggum good. That means that yeah, strength of record just kind of talks about you know, where you are in the schedule you've played and how you performed. So a 15 score there is pretty daggum good. Uh, Craig says, I thought Michi showed a lot of character coaching from the bench when he could have easily pouted and not been engaged. The fact that we won without him playing well is good for, good for this team. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you, you summed it up perfectly there, Craig. I mean, this is right now the Gamecock team seems to be the definition of a, us not me team and the Gamecocks I think are relishing the opportunity to be 14 and two they're all excited to potentially go to the NCAA tournament when you have a team of you know transfers that let's just call it what it is there's very very few guys that didn't transfer in from somewhere else whether they were on the team last year or on the team this year um, they're they're a team that you know all came to South Carolina with an idea to find a way to get better themselves, you know, set them up for an opportunity for more playing time at South Carolina. But also, you know, some of these guys came from big programs. 
I mean, Bosman Verdant came from Illinois. I mean, they, they go to the tournament every year. Michi Johnson went to Ohio State. They go to the tournament every year. Um, BJ Mack, I don't know if he ever went to the NCAA tournament. I don't think he did, but he had dreams of, you know, not having to win the conference tournament to go to an NCAA tournament. I think Miles Studi probably went to one. So you look at the way this team's made up, and I think they have a lot to prove, and they all they also want to get they want to get an NCAA tournament just like the fans do. I mean, I don't have to really pump that up too much. You guys all understand that. Um, but Gamecocks, I think, you know, t- going on the road and you know, having a tough back-to-back road trip. I mean, they went to Alabama, they got their doors blown off, had a couple of days off, and they went on the road and and went to Missouri, found a way to win. I think that coming back to back home to Columbia uh, tomorrow night, um, Georgia just came off a tough loss to Tennessee, a game that I thought Georgia probably could have, and I won't say should have because of the way the game ended, um, with Tennessee pretty much taking control of that last four minutes. But Georgia has to be feeling like they let something slip out of their fingers. Uh, Georgia now, i got to pull it up. Um, let's see, what is Georgia now? All right, let's see. Sorry sorry for the pause. Sometimes you just got to find what you're looking for on the World Wide Web. But, you know, right now Georgia is 2-1 uh, and one in the SEC, just like South Carolina. Um, beat Missouri by seven um, at Missouri, beat Arkansas by 10 at home, had an opportunity to beat Tennessee. Um, you know, they were, they were thinking four and O was a, was a possibility and they're still going to be in the exact same place that the Gamecocks are Georgia. Um, actually, when you look at their defense they're they're a top 43 defense in the country. Um, their offense is, is not bad. Top, top one fifteen. They, they kind of play like South Carolina does. When you when you look at the comparison here, and I'll pull it up really quick, um, you know, Georgia, South Carolina has probably a little bit better offense. They'll probably have a little bit better offense than Georgia will tomorrow night. Uh, the defenses are pretty similar. Um, they don't really, um, either team, you know, hold the ball. Uh, Georgia's not great um, in some aspects. You know, just looking at their block percentage, their two-point percentage, two-point field goal percentage on offense, um, areas where South Carolina is really good on defense. So, right now, when you're looking at the at Ken Palm's projection for the game, um, he has South Carolina 71 and Georgia 66. So, kind of like a five a five-point um, favorite, you could say, for South Carolina. So, the Gamecocks have every opportunity in the world to get this done. I'm looking at Georgia. You know, after South Carolina, immediately after the Gamecocks, they travel to Kentucky. So Georgia knows that they have to find a way to get one out of these two road games in their back pocket this week. Uh, Craig here says uh, Mike White is going to be a problem now that he can recruit in the Atlanta area. I really like him as a coach. Yeah, Craig, I like Mike White a lot, too. I thought I thought Mike White kind of got a raw deal in Florida. Uh, I don't know that he ever should have taken the Florida job, quite honestly. And when Florida kind of said F you to him, he kind of said F you to, to them. And he's made it his personal mission to um, make a way for Georgia in the in the SEC. And it, he's a good coach. There's a lot of good coaches in the SEC. And Mike White is definitely one of them. And, and guess what? So is Lamont Paris. Lamont Paris is as well. But guys, um, we're going to take a, take a quick time out here. Um, what, First time ever on the Late Night Gamecock Show. We're going to take a time out, but um, 
some stuff that came down from you know, the higher ups say that it's time for a timeout. So we're gonna we're gonna do that for them. So I will let Phil hit that timeout now. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back in. Um, so yeah, and, and I hope you guys enjoyed those commercial breaks. Um, a new one for me, but uh, chicken chicken cock whiskey absolutely can't beat it. Uh, my brother and I, when we had um, an opportunity to hang out recently, that that's what I brought over to his house, and we enjoyed a couple good pours and a couple good old fashions. So if you haven't found chicken cock yet, I know that you can go to their website. You can find um, any you know, store in your area that, that sells it, but at the price point of chicken cock, yeah, you can't beat it for, for taste value and just sharing it with friends. So I encourage you to do that. Um, you know, moving on, I don't know how long you guys want to talk about basketball. I mean, I, I love basketball. I can do it. <laughs> I can do it all day. Yeah. Um, South Carolina scout guy, Matt, you need to work on getting some sponsors from the PD. I absolutely agree. Um, would love would love to showcase the PD. It's where I've grown up. It's where I've spent, you know, all but six, seven years of my life. Um, back in the PD now, absolutely. If you know anybody that would like to be a part of this fantastic show that we have here, um, you know, just let them know. Let them know I'm here and be happy to happy to showcase them and and help promote the PD. But you know, moving back on to basketball, the Gamecocks have every opportunity in front of them. We've talked about that a lot. Um, right now I, I would hope that, you know, I've, I've said this enough, but don't get too bogged down in like the net. What does the net say about South Carolina's, um, you know, team ranking? The net is an imperfect science right now, not because I disagree with the algorithms or disagree with the way that the net is formulated and computed. I actually like the net. I think that at the end of the day, it, it kind of finds the best teams in the country. Does, does it mean that the team that they have number one in the country, I believe is number one in the country? No. But I think that when you look at the top, you know, 15, top 12 teams in the country, um, you know, I bet that the net has some of them in the top 20, if not all of them. So, oh man, Craig, I missed that. I'm, I'm here with you guys. I can't, 
I can't see that Ashlyn Watkins dunked again tonight. That's awesome. I have um a buddy that um coached the men's team at her high school. I think I believe she went to Cardinal Newman. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. She dunked again. I, you know, I love seeing the women dunk. It, it's so much fun. It's, you know, when I was back in my day, I could do it. I can't do it anymore. So to see these young, young women being way more athletic than I ever was that, that, that's pretty fantastic. Um, so that, that's awesome. But yeah, going back to the net, I just really think that, you know, take it, take it for what it is right now. At the end of the season, if South Carolina has a net that's in the seventies or eighties, um, they probably don't deserve to go to the NCAA tournament. If South Carolina has a net that's say 35 in the country, I feel pretty confident that they'll have the quad one and quad two wins necessary. And hopefully the lack of a quad three and quad four losses necessary to, to be an NCAA tournament team. So the Gamecocks right now have every opportunity in front of them. I've said it like 10 times tonight. Um, there are no really big opportunities for bad losses. You know, the Arkansas loss or the Alabama loss, as much as we want to talk about how they just, you know, got smashed the last, you know, let's call it 25 minutes of the game. That loss does not hurt as bad as you think it does. The selection committee, if you've ever seen their team sheets, they have, you know, a sheet of paper that's about this big for each team. They have boxes that show quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four, and they have a couple rating systems in there as well. The selection committee isn't going to go and look at that and say, well, Alabama beat South Carolina by 27 points. Oh yeah. We got to, that that's worse than a 17 point loss that can, I don't want to say Kentucky, but Florida had to somebody else. So that's the decision-making decision-making point here. That's not how it works. Um, Gamecocks have got to keep a respectable record in quad one and quad two. Um, I've seen teams that you know find a way to finish two games under 500 in quad one and quad two have no bad losses and they're still in the NCAA tournament. So Gamecocks just got to keep, keep finishing business there. Um, switching over to football. Um, football has been, um, so will, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm getting back and forth stuff there on, you know, if, if you're, if you're talking about like the net ratings, looking at margin of victory or defeat, um, I think that they, they might tell you that margin of victory is not something they, that is con- contributing to their formula. And, you know, the formula I think is out there public now. Someone said on the Big Spurts public, I've never seen it public. I've seen, you know, multiple different websites that find a way to, you know, replicate the net rating system pretty accurately. I think that enough of, like, enough metrics that are involved in margin of victory show up in the net rating. I'll put it that way. So I do think that if South Carolina wins by six points against a team, the computers think they should win by 30, that it negatively impacts them. Um, the same way that the Gamecocks won by one point in overtime against Missouri, and they were a one-point underdog, and they didn't move in the net. And, and another other thing to remember in the net, and you know, the selection committee and everything, but we'll talk about the net first. Is with the net, it's it's just it's not that cut and dry. There's just no way to sit there and say that South Carolina won by one point. They should have lost by one. They should jump five points. Like there's so many other teams that are playing games every single day that impact South Carolina's net rating. You know, when it comes to the committee, you know, if South Carolina had, you know, let's say, let's say they had five Q1 and Q2 wins and they had, I don't know, let's say 10 losses, something like that, 12 losses. So they were five and 12 against quad one and quad two. 
And there are another, there's another team in the country that has five wins against quad one and quad two and 12 losses. If South Carolina is losing by 27 points and the majority of their 12 losses to quad one and quad two and the other team's losing by five, then yeah, South Carolina is going to be dinged there. But I just don't foresee a, a path for South Carolina to you know lose by 20 plus points in the majority of their games. Sometimes, sometimes it's just a bad night. And that's what the Gamecocks had at Alabama. Um, Craig says it's basketball. The only game we've waxed the whole season. We didn't have the bad non-con, non-con losses. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the biggest reasons that, you know, before I was a staff member on the big spur, I continually said that Frank Martin needed to go because the Gamecocks continuously were losing to teams. They had no business losing to. I mean, you look back at the coastal Carolina loss, not only did they lose to like a team that was ranked in like the two hundreds, but they lost by 20 points. That's something the selection committee will look at. Um, yeah, the Gamecocks have look, the Gamecocks are 14 and two. And I don't care how you slice it, you you don't get to 14 and two despite you know some of the non-conference games that they've had without being a really good basketball team that's going to compete the rest of the way. Um, could the Gamecocks end up losing eight more games the rest of the way and finish with 10 losses? Yeah. Um, could that impact them? Yeah, they're probably gonna have to win you know, some games in the, in the SEC tournament to get in and in, 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 to get into the NCAA tournament, but we'll cover all of that. I promise guys, we have, we have so much time left in this college basketball season. So many variables to talk about. Um, yeah. SE scout guy, you know, I don't get that bogged down in conference record because the, the selection committee has said that, you know, a winning record in your conference does not mean that you're going to get in the NCAA tournament. It doesn't mean that you're better than, you know, let's say a couple of years ago, I think South Carolina had like a nine and nine, let's call it 500 record in the SEC. And Vanderbilt had a seven or like an eight and 10 record. But Vanderbilt had better wins than South Carolina did in the games that South Carolina won versus what Vanderbilt won. And if you feed on the bottom, the bottom tier of the SEC for all of your wins to, to have a gaudy conference record, it's not going to it's not going to hold water when it comes to the NCAA tournament selection committee. But the Gamecocks have avoided all of that. I mean, they only have four more games against quad three, quad four opponents. I think they only have like one more game against a quad four. So, like worst case scenario, unless all the teams the Gamecocks have beat so far this season torpedo and start tanking the quad the quad record, you know, quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four. It's not going to happen. So, I mean, I don't think there's a magic number um, to get to the NCAA tournament. I mean, I, I've done the math and I've, I've looked at historical stuff. Um, over the past couple of years, I think, you know, since COVID, there have been three teams with an 8-10 and 10 SEC record that have gotten to the NCAA tournament. Um, I think there's two teams that have had an 8-10 and 10 record that did not get into the NCAA tournament. It's all about who you beat, not, you know, what your record is. So I hope that made sense to you, South Carolina scout guy. And if you have any more questions, please let me know. Um, so yeah, moving on to football, Craig says getting Gilbert back. And JC said today, Elijah Davis is moving outside. Do you think we play more four, three, 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 five? I think playing Stewart and whatever edge is on the other side makes us more four, three. It's tough. It's tough because I think that, you know, when the Gamecocks played that three, three, five to kind of end the season, it matched up well against their opponents. Um, I think that the Gamecocks have played a 3-3-5 you know, earlier in the season. I don't think it, it meant that the Gamecocks were going to stop Mississippi State when 
you know, Will Rogers had maybe his top five career passing yardage of all time, you know, in his college career. Um, if it's me, I want to see the Gamecocks play more four three. I think that Gilbert coming back, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a starter. I think that he'll at least be a depth depth piece there. Um, you know, talking about Elijah Davis, I always thought his best position was defensive end. The Gamecocks have a bevy of defensive tackles, and especially, you know, bringing in the pit guy that's coming in, um, the JUCO guy that's coming in. I don't think that there's a need to try and force the three three five on the Gamecock secondary. Um, Gamecock secondary might need help, but you know, I think that you know, getting pressure on the quarterback is the best way for a defense to be successful. And I think that. You know, Dylan Stewart coming in, I think he's going to be a stud. I think he's going to be a star. Um, I think that, you know, when you have the opportunity to rotate guys at defensive end that are more twitchy, more athletic, you know, Gilbert Edmonds was, you know, more athletic than a lot of guys that played defensive end for South Carolina this year. Kyle Kennard's more athletic than a lot of guys that played defensive end for South Carolina this year. I mean, don't sleep, and I'm blanking on the kid's name right now, um, Jatius or Jacius Gear. Um, he's a guy that the coaching staff and, you know, everything I heard in practices over, you know, the summer and, and fall camp was a guy that the Gamecock staff was really excited about. And he just had the injury bug. Gamecock's got to stay healthy, but I think that you're going to see a different defensive line this year. And I think that, you know, DQ Smith, Nicky Mimwari back there at safety. Obviously you have Jalen Kilgore coming back. You have Jalewis Solomon coming in in the summertime. He's a big piece back there. O'Donnell Fortune, you know, returning. I think that the Gamecocks will find a way to be successful this year on defense. And, you know, when I say successful, I mean more successful than they were this past year. And I think the best way to do that is to play a 4-3. Just my take. Um, yeah, Des Desmond, usually, you, gosh, you guys know my pronunciations. I like that, correct? We'll call him Desmond U needs to come on. I, I, he had potential last year. I think that, you know, once the season started, it became tougher for him, but he's a, he's a twitchy athletic, tall, rangy guy that can do it, can do a lot of good things for South Carolina. And, you know, one of my good friends in college was Melvin Ingram. And, you know, it took Melvin three years for the light to come on big time. And then his senior year, he exploded and, you know, Desmond, you and Melvin are different kinds of players, but a lot of times it's just developmental. It's just, you know, getting developed and, and figuring, figuring everything out. Um, and I think that these guys will do it. Um, I think that, you know, Mon Montague Rames was a guy that the Gamecock coaching staff, you know, is missing right now on the edge. I, I don't know if he's going to ever be admitted back to school right now. I'd say it's very, very doubtful, but yeah. Um, just, uh, just a lot, just a lot of fun. Um, Greg Faircloth says, thanks for doing this, Matt. I was close to developing my own USC channel based on the lack of exposure. Grateful for your presence. Greg, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I, I do this because, you know, I love interacting with all of y'all. I love, you know, just bouncing my ideas off of y'all. Like, I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be 100% right. But, you know, I, I know enough and I hear enough about Gamecock Athletics that, you know, this is a great, great avenue for me to discuss it. So I appreciate that. I appreciate the kind words. Um, Will says, our pass rush should improve so much because all we lost is Jordan Strong and we gained Stewart. Um, Kennard, Edmund, Jules, Goodwine, and Simmons. Absolutely. And, you know, going back to that 4 3 conversation, the linebacking core is pretty much returning outside of Stone, and they got some good transfer linebackers. They got two linebackers that are coming in, and Wendell, 
Wendell and Fred that they, the coaching staff thinks they're going to be really, really good. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, um, you know, with the depth chart and how that works out. I got to wait till spring. I got to wait till summer workouts, fall practice, and I'll give you a better, better, um, better insight there. Greg, I appreciate that. Yumi Alaz as a Lulu, as a Lulu. Yumi as a Lulu. Cool. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, um, big news, I guess we got to talk about before we head out for the night. Um, South Carolina has hired a new running backs coach. That's Markwell Blackwell. Um, has a lot of experience at, at in the SEC, kind of guy that's bounced around. But at the same time, like a lot of those times he bounced around was due to, you know, his, his head coach getting another job or his head coach taking him with him. Or, you know, in the case of, you know, him moving from Ole Miss to, um, Texas A&M, he just got a really big pay raise. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but if someone offered me a couple hundred thousand dollars more a year to do the same job somewhere else, I'd probably accept it. Um, I know that the Gamecocks, you know, ran the race with the Liberty coach. I think that they ran the race with, with, um, the Arkansas coach. I think at the end of the day, um, Shane, one of the sec experience, I, I don't think that either of those guys turned down the South Carolina job, whatever you might have read. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, Shane, Shane picked, um, Markwell Blackwell and that's, you know, the route they're going to go. Um, a lot of experience as a co-offensive coordinator, a lot of experience in manufacturing run games. Um, the kid that was the running back at Ole Miss this year, Jink Junkins, who's now at Ohio state. Um, Markwell Blackwell was a, a primary recruiter and developer of him, his freshman year at, at, at Ole Miss. Um, I think that, you know, Texas A&M say what you want about Texas A&M, but they recruited their butts off and especially on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, but the offensive side of the ball too, they, they got a lot of playmakers. They just could never, could, they could never make it work. So, you know, tacking him on with James Coley um, to coach wide receivers. Um, I think that's a good move for South Carolina. I think it's a good move to get more experience um, from the sec in that coaching coaches room. I think the opportunity to have a different set of eyes on what, you know, Texas A&M might have seen in scouting different opponents. Um, one of the things I want to go back and look at, and I haven't looked at it yet, is how many teams on South Carolina's schedule next year did Texas A&M play this past season? Um, because, you know, I, there's little nuances to the game of football. I mean, we all remember when um, Freddie Kitchens went to North Carolina and then all of a sudden, there was so much stuff on the big spur and so much stuff in social media and so much stuff about Fred Kitchen's interview. Like I had a good idea what South Carolina was going to do. Um, South Carolina does not have Florida, Georgia, or Tennessee on their schedule next year. Well, guess what? They have a lot of sec West schools and the ability to, you know, take that information from what they scouted, what they saw, and maybe didn't work out. Texas A&M could definitely be beneficial for South Carolina. You know, the, the elephant in the room right now on the offensive side of the ball is Justin Stepp moving over to tight ends coach. Um, obviously, Stepp has never coached tight ends in his entire career. Um, I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just going to tell you what I, what, I, what, I, what I believe is true and what I've been told. I don't think that Justin Stepp is happy with this, you know, moving to tight ends. I think in his world, he'd like to coach wide receivers. Um, he has a track record of coaching wide receivers and being successful in, in that regard. Um, you know, recruiting did not work out for Justin Stepp. Sometimes, you know, a fresh recruiting angle, a fresh recruit, a fresh face in the coach's room, you know, fresh set of eyes on some wide receivers, you know, might, might spark the wide receiver room in South Carolina, which we all know 
which all we all know needs to be sparked. So, you know, I, I like I like Justin Step a lot. I, I can't tell you how highly I think of Justin Step. Um, you know, I I hope that you know if it's you know what he wants to do and what works for South Carolina that he embraces you know coaching the tight ends. Um, and and look, you know, tight ends not that much different than wide receiver. You just got to block a little bit more. And Justin Step has always been known as the guy that taught his wide receivers how to block. Um, so we'll see what happens with Justin Step. I saw that Tony Morrell reported on the Big Spur today that he would anticipate if Justin Step sticks around this season, that it'll probably be his last season in Columbia. Um, I would I would anticipate Justin Step moving on. You know, likely this year if he gets the right opportunity, and then South Carolina have another have will have another you know opening on their coaching staff. Um, yeah, so Craig, I, I just saw this. Um, yeah, Craig says thoughts on Step staying on staff. I'd hate to lose him, but I know some teams have come after him. Uh, Justin Step turned down more money last year to stay at South Carolina than he could have earned at Florida to go be their wide receivers coach. So, you know, regardless of what you might read different places on, you know, even on the Big Spur, um, a lot of posters are down on him. But you know, regardless of all of that, I think Justin Steph's a hell of a wide receivers coach. I think he's a hell of a recruiter. I think if you put him in a dynamic offense um, that you know, he doesn't have to recruit around offensive inefficiencies, um, I think you'll see him really, really succeed. And I think he has the opportunity to be an offensive coordinator someday. I think he could be a great head coach. Um, so Will said, you see Gigi Jackson's game today. No, I know that he he was playing the Warriors and he had a Gigi had a big game the other night. I think he scored 20 points in like 26 minutes. Um, so happy to see Gigi's success. Um, Gigi still likes South Carolina has a great relationship with coach Lamont Paris, the university um, South Carolina took care of Gigi Jackson. So for him to succeed would be the ultimate really great thing for the university of South Carolina and future recruiting and to have a guy in the NBA that, you know, tout South Carolina. Um, Will asked if I have any idea of who the welcome home was from coach Beamer today. I don't know. I know that they had the quarterback in, um, I think from Oregon, I think I can't remember where he was last, but I know he was, he was at Oregon at one point. Maybe it was him. I know that the coaches were looking for a decision from him, but as far as if it was him, I, I don't know as of right now, like I said, um, I've kind of been out of pocket today, especially this evening, um, going to a, a family member's birthday party. So miss that. Um, I'm sure that the welcome home is probably a transfer portal guy. If I had to imagine, um, it's been a dead period for recruiting for a little bit. So, um, I would imagine it's, um, it's a portal guy. Yeah. Craig, you know, if it's a 2025, you know, I don't know. Um, it, it might be, I, I don't know of anybody that was, that was, you know, just on the cusp of a commitment, but, you know, I'll check the Big Spur and see if there's anything up there real quick. Um, and guys, just another plug for the Big Spur. Um, I don't know, like quick vote. Are you guys on the Big Spur? Um, if you're not on the Big Spur, I would definitely, definitely hop on there. Um, you'll you'll get a lot of this information faster, faster than I can give it to you. Um, yeah, um, nothing's on the Big Spur right now that I can see of who the welcome home is. I don't think it's been publicly announced yet, but yeah, just stay tuned. But Everybody, thank y'all so much. Um, that that's gonna be it for this show. I say it on the end of every episode. You know, you guys give me the most valuable thing you have, which is your time, and and that can never be, never be un- underestimated, and it's never underappreciated. I know that you guys have a lot of things going on in your life that 
you know, could take your time from nine to 10 o'clock or whenever you listen to this um, after Monday. And I just appreciate y'all so much. Um, Gamecocks have a big one tomorrow against Georgia. Um, I hope that if you can make it to Colonial Life Arena, you're able to. Um, these guys are dying, dying for your support. And, um, you know, it would be, I would love to see Colonial Life Arena full tomorrow night. I, I won't be able to make it. I'll be watching on TV, but if I could be there, I would. I'll, I'll try and make a lot of these Saturday home games going forward. But Gamecocks have a big one. Hopefully they get it done. And um, the women obviously trounced Kentucky tonight, number one in the country. Uh, good things are happening in basketball, University of South Carolina. Baseball is right around the corner. And golly, you'll blink and it'll be, it'll be spring practice for football. So um, stay tuned to everything Gamecock related on the Big Spur, on the Chief Sports Network. And um, enjoy JB, JC, and Phil tomorrow at 11. And um, can't wait to see you guys again soon. Have a good one. Bye, y'all.